Just a friendly warning before listening to this week's show. We do talk about eating habits in this episode. We realise this may be triggering for some people. So if this episode isn't for you, then skip it, get in touch for any information and come back next time. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Roshi. And welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. This podcast is all about how improving your physical fitness can help support you on your very own fertility journey. I'm a personal trainer who specialises in training women with fertility problems. I myself have PCOS and have had two beautiful bodies, and I'm on a mission to help you do the same. Before we get into it, we will be discussing adult themes such as where do babies come from, pregnancy loss and bereavement. We may also be sweary from time to time. We're optimistic, light-hearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect that. In today's show, we are discussing how to build healthy habits to support your fertility. Consistency is key, and the way I work means I can explicitly support you with healthy habits, not just a training plan. And I'm really excited because this brings together everything I'm interested in, fitness, fertility and psychology. So Maria, what is the benefit of building habits as opposed to just executing a perfectly laid out plan? A perfectly laid out plan is great, but that plan will eventually end. The really good thing with a habit is it's something that will then stay with you forever. And we all know that when it comes to fertility, we've said this before, but you're in it for the long haul, probably. So really what you need are some really good habits because this is a marathon, not a sprint. And we need you to have really solid foundations to build your fertility up from. I always think of a habit as something that you do that you don't think about doing. Yes. So, for example, we've all got a routine. Get out of bed in the morning. We check our phones. Habit number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bad no. habit number one from me. I think we all do it. Mm. And then we go and we click on the coffee pot or the kettle. Habit number two. Mm. And these are subconscious actions that we take. And actually, if we listed them all, throughout the day we would have a tick beside some of them some are great and I think we'd have a little cross beside others some are not so great yep and but they're all completely unconscious so that's the really hard thing about habits is that the bad ones you need to break it's difficult to undo those new habits are hard to build especially if they if they're running against the bad habits do you know what I mean yeah it's like they might be pulling you in different directions exactly you might have a a habit of having 11 o'clock biscuit with brew that's your thing but then obviously as part of your weight loss journey to get your BMI down um, to help you with your fertility or certainly to help you get the good drugs Mm -hmm. the habit will soon have to be a slice of fruit and just to clarify here by the good drugs Roshan means things like (laughs) Clomid, Letrozole and IVF meds but also I completely agree with her but I'm just clarifying as you said plans can come and go Mm -hmm. but if you get Good habits in place, they stick and stick stick for a long time. I am so interested in this and it really, really, really is important. It it can't just be a crash diet, which we've talked about before. All of that is bad for you and it's especially bad when it comes to fertility and it's setting you up for nothing. So really, you want to put the foundations in. The plans are great to get you the habits, but I want you to leave me feeling well-equipped. Like, I'm not just in it for the, the eight weeks or the 12 weeks. I want you to leave me knowing how to work out, knowing how to adapt different um, movements and knowing how to train safely and knowing what works for your fertility. And at this point, I'm going to say hello to uh, one of my longest running clients, Z, who I know listens all the time. What I love about Z is she's been working out for months. She now knows how to adapt to different exercises. 
So I love that she has learned really healthy habits for going in the gym and that's because she's been working really hard for months and she's doing a really good job. So hi to Z and well done to you. So when you deal with your clients, do you look at it from a habits point of view? Give me one of your day so mm -hmm. we can point out where you think their pitfalls may be. Yep. And when you do find those not so great habits, whatever they may be, do you offer like alternatives? Is that how you do it? When I first meet a client for a consultation, we'll look at their day. We will look at when they work. We will look at if they already work out and then we will plan their workouts around their week and around any habits they have. So to give you an example, one of my clients was struggling to fit in her two workouts a week. So what we've done is we've actually changed it to three shorter workouts a week and she's now doing them first thing in the morning. But it's taking a long time to get to the point where she can work out in the morning. But we've been doing it for months now and it is making a lot of difference. She's lost, you know, well over a stone and a half now. We'll pinpoint points in the day, we'll pinpoint habits but I would also like to say we'll only do one small thing at a time because, like you said in the intro, trying to change a habit or trying to build a habit is so hard. It is because it's automatic. It's automatic. And this is when people go to therapy, like people, people follow patterns. This is one of my favourite psychology things. People work in patterns. But it's really true. So the 11 o'clock cup of tea, the 11 o'clock coffee, you won't even be thinking about it. No. It's, you just do it. You know, don't get me wrong, I'm the same, you're the same, everyone's the same. But you have to find the pattern first. This is what cognitive therapy is for. And oftentimes it's it's so unconscious. It's like Secret Eaters. Have you ever seen Secret Eaters? I love it's Secret Eaters. such a good show. But you do it without realising Because well. you do it without realising because you think, well, how do these people think they've put on this weight? It's not magically come from nowhere. But honestly, because they're just living their lives and they drive home from a stressful shift at work and they go through McDonald's to get their drive through or those hidden calories, they're just not adding it up as they go yeah. along. And that's what Secret Eating is all about. It's about poor dietary habits mm. coupled with not adding on mm. not realizing that this is cumulative this is why one of the things we say and the reason i'm bringing the meal plans in which i'm really excited about is because sometimes people they just eat without realizing it and there's no judgment here at all so the reason people keep a food diary or they track it i'm old school i like to just write it down with a pen and paper but you know you is because you might not realize what you're eating in the day you don't realize what your habits are until it's written down sure a classic with me is that i used to eat when i was getting food ready yes. so this is mine this is mine or so a glass of wine in the evening, evening when you're cooking your dinner and i'd be really good i would get up and i would do all my workout i would have my meals prepped while I'm shoving it in the oven or doing whatever, I'm eating slices of cheese <laughs> because I'm hungry. I love cheese. I'm hungry. And it was just like, you know, cheese, you know, uh, turn over the chicken or do the thing, more cheese. Uh, <laughs> and then I went over and just looked at it because I didn't realise that one slice of cheese was like 140 calories. So many calories. While I was making a meal for myself, mm -hmm. which was probably 300 calories. So in the time it took me to cook the meal, I'd already <laughs> eaten the meal. So many calories. Also, for the record, Roshan is a very good cook. Thank Again, you. she made me what salad you made the other day. Was it beetroot? Oh, and beetroot and apple. It was really good, by yeah, the way. So nice. for the record, Roshi knows how to cook. I She's aware cook. of food and she is very good at it. I have a general idea of the caloric value of things. And I was amazed mm. at a slice of cheese. Cheese is so good, but that's why. And it's one of those that you can have like four or five mm. slices, you yeah. know, so and easily. that's a meal, yeah.
I absolutely agree that we are essentially we are a set of our habits. Mm-hmm. We are in so many ways. And that could be just not only what we eat, it's how we live, the relationships we have, mm-hmm. got patterns. Mm-hmm. When I was trying to lose a lot of weight, this is a habit that I brought in and it really worked for me. Ask myself the question before I ate anything. Is this something a healthy person would eat? That's a very good thing to ask. If you decide that you want to be healthy, you have to be... You have to be healthy. You have to act like a healthy person. You have to eat like a healthy person. You have to move like a healthy person. And I wanted to become healthy. But the habit wasn't massive. The habit was just, I asked myself a question. Mm. It's a really important question. And it works for you. Another habit, I know we've talked before about uh, eating breakfast. That was a difficult one for me to bring in. And how I did that, which is, if you want to change habits... There has to be a slight reward with it. It can't be a total punishment. Mm -hmm. So I was working with a PT at the time and he recommended that I had oats with water in the morning. And I said, in my country, we call that gruel. (laughs) What we did is we agreed on a little teaspoon of peanut butter. Yes. Now we have an enjoyable breakfast. Guess what? I can't do without now. There we go. To change to good habits, there has to be a bit of incentive. With bad habits, it's asking yourself that question mm-hmm. is so important, isn't it? It's really important. And it's it's realistic changes, like you've just said. You weren't going to do it just with water. That's fine. So you've realistically changed it to add a bit of peanut butter, which I fully support. I love peanut butter. And you weren't going to not eat anything when you were cooking, so you turned it into apple. But that's great, because they're significant changes and they're doable. But you first must understand what habit is getting in your way. You have to know it, see it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you see it all the time when you are going through your consultations. Mm-hmm. There's just lots of things and, and people don't realise they're doing them. Um, but yeah, it might be skipping breakfast. It might be drinking calories is a big one. So when I ask people, what do you drink in the day? The, the, the number of times I've heard, I hate water. So I drink Coke or I drink lemonade. And it is just absolutely full of calories. So a really good habit um, change that I've done with clients before is just to gradually get rid of the Coke, basically. We don't do it all in one go. We gradually um, swap from, let's say, three cans of Coke a day. We just go to two cans of Coke a day. Then we go to one can of Coke a day and then we get rid of the Coke. And it makes a big difference, but we're not cutting it out really quickly. But it does gradually go down. And for them, that was a massive change. But just little by little by little, it's really important. How long does it take to change a habit? Well, whew, what a question. There is this kind of old adage of, you know, 21 days. Some people do things for a month. But actually, there's a lot of research around this that, shocker, it does depend on who you are as a person. But one particular piece of research found that with their sample, changing habits ranged from anything from 18 to 254 days. So there is not a one size fits all situation here which is why you need to make sure that you work with someone that understands that and with someone that doesn't just sack you off after kind of three weeks and say, yeah, 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 you're in the habit of working out now. Because like we've discussed on our earlier episode, when you get to about three or four weeks, that's quite often when you go, oh, I'm really bored, I'm really tired, the novelty's worn off, even the adrenaline. Like when you first start something, there's a little rush of adrenaline. You're like, yeah, I've done two workouts, I'm feeling really good. Weeks three and four, that all goes. So that's round about your 21 days, your kind of month mark. So for some people, it can take a lot longer. So there isn't a one size fits all, but you need to be with a trainer that basically keeps on at you. Friendly accountability is how we do it. But you need a trainer that doesn't just assume you are in the habit. They need to keep supporting you, keep rewarding you, sharing your success. And that kind of accountability of of just checking in and making sure 
you are getting your workouts in, you are reducing your Coke that you're drinking, etc., etc. Because it can take a while. Is there a sort of metrics of habits that you like to bring in for fertility? Yes. So, and this is kind of the crux of today's episode, really. There are a number of habits that I focus on with my training that are fertility related. Um, and this is because it will help you with your fertility journey. The first one on my list, and some of you are going to laugh and say, of course you would say that, you're a personal trainer. But what I'm going to say is regular workouts. Okay, and I'm using the word regular on purpose. So I am not saying you're going to be starting IVF in a month. So absolutely smash four weeks worth of workouts. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Ideally, start before you're due to start your IVF. So regular workouts are really important. And like I keep saying in every episode, this is because consistency is key. And the reason regular workouts are really important for fertility, I mean, there's a a huge number of reasons, but one which we're going to do a longer episode on because it's so interesting is egg quality. So exercise has been shown through a lot of research now to really improve and support your egg quality. And there's a lot of reasons for this, but it's things like increasing blood flow uh, to your ovaries, which is where you um, obviously produce your eggs from. And that's a massive one. And there's a lot of research around this. Um, Stress reduction with the exercise is really, really important. And again, it might sound like we're stating the obvious here, but to link it into fertility so that you're not releasing too high levels of things like cortisol and adrenaline, because those things can interfere with your, you know, your hormonal system and your ovulation. Regular exercise also lowers your BMI. You do need to have your BMI under 30 for fertility treatment, but please don't do it through crash dieting. That's why the regular exercise is really important. Like I said on my Instagram today, nothing good comes from anything that starts with the word crash. And when it comes to fertility, losing fat very, very quickly is bad for you. It can release toxins. Those toxins can interfere with um, your hormonal system. And we don't want anything messing with your hormones. Okay, so lowering your BMI is good. Do not do it through crash dieting, please. The other thing with regular exercise, not just a one-off blast, is it builds your body for a healthy pregnancy. So you're building your arms, you're building your glutes, you're building your core, everything to keep that baby nice and safe. Regular exercise of a moderate intensity can also really improve insulin resistance. So particularly in women that have polycystic ovarian syndrome and if they have insulin resistance, which just means your body doesn't use insulin well, Um, regular exercise has now been shown repeatedly to improve insulin resistance. So basically your body will work better, which is amazing. Regular exercise can also be anti-inflammatory, which I think is absolutely brilliant. It can help to reduce inflammation. You would think it would actually work the other way around. It would. And actually, if you do too high stress activity, if if your activity levels are too high intensity that can actually cause stress, which is why for fertility, we want to keep it at that moderate level, which is why you need a trainer that knows what they're talking about. But yeah, it's anti-inflammatory, which we will do more on this. But if you have endometriosis, for some people with endometriosis, which is where the, the lining of the uterus grows in places it shouldn't, and it can be incredibly painful, for some people, exercise can be really helpful when they have endometriosis because it's anti-inflammatory and endometriosis is an inflammatory condition. Not with everybody, and we'll do more on this, but that can be super helpful as well. But again, it has to be regular. And then there's another point, just in case you need any more persuasion about regular workouts. Regular workouts improve blood flow to the uterus and ovaries, okay? Your key areas that are super important for fertility. Um, and I've made sure that I include 
yoga specific poses that improve blood flow to the uterus and ovaries and all of my workouts but everything that I do will help you with that anyway okay so there are a number of reasons why regular exercise not just a blast is really important for fertility so it's really good to get into the habit because that's what we're talking about today the habit of working out regularly so I know you're a huge advocate for resistance training, so am I. Yep. But I recently read about it's important at least on two occasions during the week to get your heart rate up. Yes, absolutely. We want to get your heart rate up for fertility, but not too high. Okay. So we're going to go for a moderate level, um, which I would say is about a six out of ten, roughly six out of ten ish in terms of effort. So we're talking about a brisk walk, bike ride, but no one's trying to get into the Tour de France it's you're just <laughs> no please do not enter the tour de france if you're trying to have a baby also that is for men because like we've said before you need to look after your testicles no bike riding for ladies you can go out for a short cycle you can go out and actually one of my clients was asking me about spinning today because they've mm, got um yeah. they've got one of those bikes what i would say is it's okay to go out for a bike ride just don't climb all the steepest hills just keep the intensity down, just monitor it in your head, have a heart rate monitor on, or just in your brain, a really easy way to do it is keep your effort at about six out of 10. And also the talk test works brilliantly. The talk test is dead simple. Can you have a conversation with someone? If you can have a conversation with someone, then your effort levels are good. Okay. And don't be dismayed, there's two levels, there's two heart rate levels that you can burn a lot of calories at. Yeah. It is the high stuff, don't get me wrong, I think, you know... That's good for other things. It's other and things. I love the high intensity, high intensity, not for fertility. Not for fertility, and you can also burn it at a lower rate as oh, well. Oh, absolutely. So the bottom line is, exercise is good for you. All the research journals, no one has ever said, oh no, you shouldn't do exercise, it's bad for you. So it's good for you. It's just getting the right type of exercise for fertility. There's also that other branch of exercise that maybe people don't really know about. It's called NEAT exercises. It's N-E-A-T, NEAT. So non-intentional exercise. And essentially what it is, doing the garden, mm -hmm. not taking the cars to the local shop. Or if you do take the car to the local shop, parking at the back of the mm -hmm. car park, mm -hmm. taking the stairs rather than taking the lift. Those activities yeah, really, really help. Every little helps. And it see it as the bigger picture. Don't see it as I'm parking three spaces away. See it as I want to have a baby. See it as the bigger picture and keep it in mind. Because sure. all the little things make a difference. Yeah. So regular like cardio is really helpful for fertility. It gets you outside possibly, which I cannot talk about enough. It helps you to de-stress. And also, we've talked about it before, it gets you away from the food cupboard. It gets you, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it like just not, not looking at that fridge and not looking at that food cupboard. And we've talked before about a little 10 minute walk in the evening, go out for a walk after dinner. And it does sound really basic, but it works. And all of these habits are nothing complicated. They're just nice, simple things that make a massive difference to your life. Let's talk about how we start bringing in these good habits, recognising the bad habits, and how do you help your clients make them stick? There are a number of things that I support clients with. The very first thing is to start small. But I mean like really small. Because if you try and change your nutrition and your exercise and your 11 o'clock coffee all at once, it's just not going to happen. It's going to be way too much. So do not do everything at once. It's a massive psychological stress and you'll probably quit after a week. Figure out what your bad habits are. Maybe keep a diary in the day, a journal like you've said, and then figure out which ones you're going to target first and then start very, very small. I was going to ask you actually, Routine, because you managed to give up smoking, which is no small feat. <laughs> oh, I was... Uh, How yeah, I was, did you... I mean, that's massive, though. 
think that's yeah. really impressive. And I would, and I think Maria would agree. I was a lifer, wasn't I? Oh, you, I, you were in for life. You I, were, you I was, were I was a, I was a paid up member. You were in, fully subscribed. But I think that's really impressive. Tobacco and food's quite similar in ways mm. because ultimately it's pretty easy to get your hands on. It's relatively cheap, or it used to be when I smoked, and it is satisfying a physical need and a psychological need mm-hmm. at the same time. People now more recognise that food's there for emotion as well as it is mm-hmm. for an empty stomach, and tobacco is exactly the same thing. You mm-hmm. get a physical craving for tobacco, but you also have a psychological addiction. And I can tell you for now that I'm sure anyone that's out there that's trying to cut down on on the food will agree. The psychological is 10 times harder than the physical. So hard. And I had to work out what was the benefit of me doing it. And when I worked out, there was very little benefit. There was a lot of downside Mm. and there was practically no upside. Mm. And what I kind of came down to was this idea of I smoke to relieve stress. Every morning I wake up stressed as a smoker thinking I need to give up these cigarettes. Mm. So... I was kind of in a a very weird circle of thought. But once I realised, once I broke the spell, that this cigarette is not going to make me feel any different before having it than after having it. Mm -hmm. It's not going to benefit me in any way. Mm -hmm. It's actually going to put me back and it's not going to change my situation. When people smoke for stress, for example, they smoke and they're still stressed. Just say we take away the cigarettes and we add in donuts. It's mm. exactly the same, same thing. You are stressed off your bin. You've had enough. You're exhausted. You just want something sweet. Mm. And you think it's going to change the situation. It's not going to change the situation. No. It's just going to set you back. And once I truly understand that there was no benefit, mm-hmm. not really, then I couldn't smoke again. And by truly understand, did you, for me, that's like you finally feel it. Like it's not just a thought that's floating around in your brain, it fully becomes you. You you feel that decision. I understood that there's a trade-off with this. Yeah. And if I was going to trade off my health for this, I had to get something more for this. And I wasn't getting anything. Mm-mm. Not from the cigarettes. Not from no. the cigarettes. And when I realised there was no benefit, it did not change my circumstance. I was smoking maybe because I was stressed, maybe because I was unhappy, maybe just for something to do. But it, it wouldn't have changed any of those situations. No. And it is the same with food and it, it is an addiction and it, it can help with emotions. It, it helps satisfy physical cravings. But yeah, I think that's a fair point. Once the spell is broken, whatever your thing is, yep. and you realise that thing isn't actually changing anything and it's merely being a barrier for you to getting what you want, I can assure you, you don't go back willingly. No, you do not. And don't throw in the towel. Yeah, if you've come off the wagon, don't Get burn, don't burn the wagon. <laughs> I not, used to do that. I used I've to, done I, it. I've exploded it. We've all done that. We've stuff. all exploded the wagon. Yeah, just put it out and come back to it. Come back. Just come back to rebuild. The wagon. Rebuild. Rebuild the, the wagon. wagon because, and I know Maria really wants to say this, but I'm going to say this line this week: consistency. Yes, is key. consistency is key. <laughs> that is the tagline. For this podcast. Even but if once a month you is. consistently blow up the wagon just as long as you but get back key. on it. Get back on the wagon. Consistency is key though. I cannot stress it enough. Yeah. And consistency will build those habits. It will build the habits. And the habits are not about the eating chocolate or the eating the broccoli. The habits are about you want a baby. The habits are about seeing the bigger picture. Always seeing the bigger picture. You will have bad days. But just... One of my clients the other day, she was struggling to get a workout in. 
And so what we were saying was, don't think of it as the workout. Do the workout, but focus on the cute... She wants a really fat, cute, chubby baby. They were her words. And I was like, that's amazing. She wants a really fat baby, lovely, cute, little chubby cheeks. So that's what she focused on and she got the workout done. Yeah, because she started with the end in mind. Yes, she started with the end in mind. And also, going back to our earlier episode, she knows what her why is. Her why is, which is crucial for habits, by the way, but her why is, I want to have a baby. And that's her why for everything that she's doing. Yeah. And ask yourself, is this something a healthy person will do? I keep it's throwing it so in. It's just so good, though. It's so good. I just keep throwing it in. We've got a lot of good stuff. Maria, what good stuff are we going to be talking about next week? I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, I've had some clients, well, to be honest, most of my client consultations revolve around this. So we are going to be looking at um, exercise and how it links into egg quality, exercise and endometriosis, and also sleep hygiene and how all of these things relate to your fertility. Can't wait. I'm really excited. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week and please rate, comment and really importantly share with your friends, especially our trying to conceive sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help. This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. So we strongly recommend that you consult your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. This has been a Worth a Listen production.